What are the keys to high-quality milk? Ask any dairy farmer, and you'll be sure to hear that quality milk comes from quality cows, ones that are happy, healthy, and well-cared for. And because so much goes into herd health, it's often fair to say it's a team sport. One of the key team members for dairy farmers is their veterinarian, who's there to guide, support, coach, and advise. As animal health experts, they know the importance of biosecurity. Not only do they need to practice it themselves as they travel from farm to farm, they can be an important source of information for opportunities within the dairy. Preventing and controlling the spread of disease within and between herds is the name of the game. So, how can your vet support you in disease prevention and control? And what sort of strategies should you be thinking about for your farm? Well, that's our focus today. Welcome to the Dairy Farmer of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name is Stephen Roach. I'm an epidemiologist with a passion for dairy cattle, health and welfare. I did my master's and PhD trying to understand how farmers, their staff and their advisors can work together as a team to improve. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. Our next discussion takes place with Dr. Christian Heyerhoff, a bovine veterinarian with Rideau St. Lawrence Veterinary Services in eastern Ontario. Christian and I sat down to discuss his perspectives on what farmers can do to minimize the risk of infectious disease entry and spread throughout a herd, and the potential impact these diseases can have. So, let's jump in! Well, Christian, it's a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you today. Really looking forward to this conversation and, and learning a little bit more about what biosecurity means for you as a, as a dairy uh, veterinarian and also, you know, some of the things you're doing on farm and your clients are doing on farm to prevent and control disease. So thanks very much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. So uh, for the listeners that haven't had a chance to, to work with you, Christian, or, or hear you speak before, can you just give us a brief introduction? What's your role on farm? Where are you uh, practicing and, and some of your experiences with biosecurity in the Canadian dairy industry? Yeah, so uh, I, uh, I practice in um, eastern Ontario in uh, around a town called Kempville uh, with uh, Rito St. Lawrence Vet Services. And I graduated veterinary medicine from uh, actually UCD uh, Dublin in Ireland. I, I know it's not the Canadian dairy industry, but um, some things I took from there in terms of biosecurity is that in general, Europe takes uh, disease prevention uh, very seriously. And they have uh, a lot in terms of vaccination technology, disease surveillance, uh, national cattle tracing, and uh, border security, to name a few broad themes. So from there, the, the, my eyes were really opened up to that um, biosecurity of, of the nation and on farm, and as well as that one health concept. They, they really like that over there in Europe. Healthy animals equals healthy people, basically, and vice versa. As, my, as, as for my role, uh, uh, I enjoy practicing herd health and preventative medicine. That's what I do most uh, days. And that involves visiting farms, discussing and advising uh, to ensure health and welfare of the cattle, and determining if we're meeting our goals um, on farm for productivity and health, which are very much interrelated, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and it's yeah, it's a, thanks for that, Christian. And it's it's one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you, knowing that you'd spend some time in Ireland and in other places, getting a feel for uh, you know what biosecurity and, and disease control looks like in other countries, and and as you say, bringing some of that perspective back here, because as we know uh, in the dairy industry, much of what you know goes on in Europe, we tend to learn from, and uh, and I'm sure that's that's true of, of themselves as well when they look to us. But in in this case, I think you bring an uh, an interesting perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, before we dig into some of the, the nitty gritty, let's call it, I, I like to talk with people about the why, the why behind biosecurity. I know um, from countless conversations I've had with producers and other people in the industry, we're always talking about, well, what's the justification? What's the rationale? And why do we need to do some of the things we're asking producers to do on a fairly consistent basis to make sure, um, you know, their cows and their herds are, are safe from diseases? So for you, in your own words, why should producers care about biosecurity? Yeah, it's a very good question. It I, it comes down to, um, I guess, animal health and welfare is the, the number one goal, and that um, leads to uh, productivity. If you take care of the, the cows, um, often they'll take care of you, is a phrase I like to say. And uh, as well as a broad scheme of things, like protect the brand. When it comes to animal health and welfare, if farms don't like having uh, sick animals, and if you have sick animals, they're usually less productive. And that af- affects the bottom line and the economics of, of that. And as well, from an outside um, perspective, uh, as, a, as a brand as a whole, then that affects the quality of the milk that's being sent out the door. And then you can also talk about the country biosecurity and, and uh, potentially neighbors and stuff like that. But when it comes down to it, it's about uh, protecting the cow and, then, and protecting milk quality. Right. So it, it really is levels, isn't it? It's about about the, the cow, the herd, and then, like you say, beyond just the the farm itself is sort of the collection of farms around you. And, and as you really continue to go up the scale, you can see how protecting our borders and the brand that, that like you say, each of our industries are building here, um, it all plays a role. Exactly. So... With respect to biosecurity in particular, or, or prevention and um, control of diseases on the farm, what would you say farmers generally are doing pretty well? Yeah, uh, it's hard to, to broadly take all farmers because every farm has different goals and different um, priorities and uh, are doing different things really well. Uh, like I have specific examples, like uh, I had a farmer... I guess maybe more of the endemic diseases they're 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 trying to fight uh, the ones that we deal with um, constantly on farm that are less of the um, larger foreign uh, diseases that we deal with and mm-hmm. more of the uh, yonis and uh, leucosis and um, calf diarrhea etc. Um, you know even so much as say like uh, strawberry foot rot or digital dermatitis. Uh, specifically, I think. I have a group of farmers that are very concerned about uh, Yoni's disease. After the Yoni's uh, risk assessment programs that were on, I had one particular farmer that um, really thought it was hurting them economically um, and productivity-wise as well. And they went on a big five-year endeavor into testing cows on a periodic basis. And you know, I advised them at the beginning of this that it was hard because of the way that they test, um, you know, it's not 100% sensitive or specific. So you can have some false negatives in that you're not catching every cow. 
Um, but they decided to go ahead and they were very adamant that they wanted to go ahead. And I think it's been very successful in that. And it, it's been costly for them because they have a, they've kept a closed herd. So any like completely closed, not any, no ifs or buts. And um, so th- in times when they've needed milk uh, and needed to be more fluid, they haven't bought cows. And then at the same time, they're culling anything that is ever positive on this test. So um, before they calve, so they never affect uh, the transfer of hopefully delay the transfer from uh, to the calf, to that uh, dam's calf. So um, it's been very successful, I think, over the last just so much in the last five years last year so they're hardly getting any positives and uh, they're thinking about slowing down on the testing but i I think they've done a really good job and it was a costly endeavor up front but in the long term i think they'll benefit greatly from that Mm -hmm. so it's really taken a tailored strategy in this case for for yoni is something they're seeing or we're seeing on a more consistent basis and knowing you know the challenges that come with yoni's disease and like you say an imperfect test you've sort of got to put together a bit of a strategy for this individual farm and then evaluate sort of what's working what's not working over time uh and ultimately probably change where your goals or your benchmarks are uh in, in your definition of success i guess is that right yes yeah and then another example would be uh like i do a lot of uh with the through the cfia we there's a bsc surveillance program and uh we have a lot of farms that we um do uh, sampling from for the surveillance program which i'm really appreciative of and uh, i think the government is as well and at the same time it's often uh, good because we get to see some cows that maybe we don't necessarily get to see and sometimes i'll th- throw in a post-mortem for them just to if something interesting is going on and i think that that provides some value for the client but also um, potential disease uh, investigation from that so that's another thing i enjoy doing on farm is those uh bsc surveillances mm-hmm. so you're taking samples and, and trying to get a sense of what's going on there exactly so totally hear you on on the it's really it is difficult regardless of the issue to talk uh at a high level and and sort of brush everyone with one stroke in terms of what's going well but but some some good examples there at least of of some specific things that are going well um and so if we take sort of uh put a mirror up and think about what are some of the the other areas that we can focus in on that farmers might be able to improve upon um you know what's your sense Christian where are some of the areas that you see uh, a need for and what I usually like to say is you know are there are there knowledge gaps for some producers that we need to address in other cases are there is there an attitude or a mindset that we maybe need to address in terms of where biosecurity fits in priority because we know that uh, as a farmer you've got so many different priorities you need to manage and juggle. Um, and then uh, in other cases, it's evaluating the practices that are taking place on farms. So any thoughts there on on where some of these knowledge, attitude, and practice gaps might be uh, for, for producers out there? Absolutely. The the I would say in general, the list uh, for the, or the priority of biosecurity on the list of things in their head is uh, often lower. Than a lot of other things, they have they're very busy. Like you said, during the day, they're trying to get a very common uh, expression I hear is like I'm just trying to get the cows fed and milked uh, in the day, and that alone takes a lot, lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and to them is important, and it's something they can see and do right. And biosecurity for some of them, uh, I mean, some of them are doing a very, very good job. Or I would say majority of them are doing a very good job, just naturally. Um, in preventing disease and having healthy animals. Um, 
And I think uh, there's this kind of saying or like feeling that, you know, in the dairy industry, we're kind of like, or a cattle industry, we're a little more uh, lucky compared to our like friends in the poultry or swine industry, not immune to it, but it's not as big of a concern. Um, a lot of ours are more like uh, threatening to our productivity and uh, slowly over time in our chronic conditions like yonis or leucosis or um, strawberry foot, foot rot, et cetera, or pneumonia. And they're less uh, deadly per se. So I, I think uh, there's that shock value that's not there. And so the, the priority on the list goes down because they don't see it necessarily that there's a there's an issue. Yep. It's hard to even show them there's an issue because um, paperwork and recording of data falls lower on the list of things to do when they have a busy day and they have crops and um, cattle to tend to, right? So there's often times where I'm trying to collect the data for them, um, either through a technician or myself or when I'm at Herd Health, just so that I have data um, to show them that potentially there is an issue here. It, it it is you know I think for me you hit the nail on the head you know it's it's there are so many things you can see uh, you know an immediate return on the cows are fed the cows are milked I mean there's so many things and of course those have to be done they have to be high priority and and biosecurity and the spread of disease in general is is silent and it can be so difficult to really appreciate. Uh, the benefit or the value of of preventing disease when it is something that you know it's routine retained behaviors that everyone needs to take to be and be diligent about it's I guess to put it in the context of today in w- the way we're talking you know everyone around the globe is tr- starting to realize the benefits the need and the importance of biosecurity when it comes to to COVID in this case um, and, and so it can be really a, a challenge. The disease risk, I guess, in the the simplest terms, is all about the interaction between the host, the organism, and the environment. And we can't necessarily alter the organism, uh, but we can ensure the health of the, the host, the cow, and the comfort and cleanliness of the environment. So I think uh, when it comes down to the basics is uh, the things we can control are, are the ca- like uh, the health of the cow and the, and the cleanliness of that environment. And um, I think that's things that we can work towards in improving. Um, and I think the, the some of the SOPs and the priority or the requirements for the biosecurity of proaction has brought some good discussion about why why we need these things. And then also with COVID and what we're going through right now is uh, brought some light that you know a lot of these diseases are are zoonotic or they mutate. Uh, we might not have a disease in cattle currently that is a risk, but we could in two years uh, potentially. You know that it, it, that is a uh, se- severe concern. So we need to have these um, SOPs and uh, things in place for if if there is a is an outbreak or an epidemic, you know, in the cattle world. Yeah, yeah, very good point. So if we think, you know, if, if we've got producers that have bought in uh, or or are just keen to to think about, okay, what strategies can I look at or what what tools can I um, try and implement on the farm to improve prevention and control of diseases, uh, what would you say might be some low-hanging fruit opportunities, um, especially when we're talking about some of these diseases that we know, uh, by and large, the average dairy farm is going to be dealing with? You know, you mentioned um, strawberry foot rot, digital dermatitis, dealing with mastitis, and so on. What are some of the things you you think uh, or your mind jumps to, Christian? 
I would talk talk a lot about closed turds and stuff like that. And I think you can you can either bring it in on yourself or visitors, or you can bring it in on the in the cow. You buy it in through the cow, basically that you're buying, right? So uh, I think the biggest two points are uh, if you're not going to be closed, then um, there needs to be strategies around how you handle that new purchase or that animal coming in uh, to prevent disease. And then the second thing would be uh, the fomites or the the people that are visiting the farm or yourself need to be uh, aware of their cleanliness and uh, uh, where they've been. Um, so to maybe start with the visitors, like uh, that's a low hanging fruit, uh, you know, uh, as a vet, we're very conscious of these things. And, um, you know, every day I wear clean clothing. I've mostly, uh, 99% of the time showered, uh, you know, that day. Um, and I'm, I ensure that between farms, my, my boots are cleaned with a disinfectant and I'm wearing new coveralls every farm as well as my hand and my face are washed between farms. So, um, Maybe that's not possible for every visitor. There's a lot of visitors that come to the farm, but I think at the very least we can, our our hands can be clean and our our, our clothes and boots can be clean when we're visiting between farms. And that talk, you know, that's the feed guys, the nutritionists, the vets, the um, everything, the visitors, etc. So those are that's one way. So if we can prevent uh, new infections bringing in on on people, then that's one thing that's, I think, pretty easy. And I think most people would understand as well. Um, and then secondly, with the, in terms of the cattle, um, so as you're buying in these cattle, if you don't want to be closed, that's fine. Uh, some herds, it's difficult um, with fluctuations of cattle. And so um, that's where it gets a little more difficult because I think a lot of my farms, at least, they don't have these spots to isolate these cattle um, because that would be, you know, just like we're isolating for 14 days if we're positive or if we're going to a new place, et cetera, then um, that's kind of the ideal strategy for these cattle too, is if they're coming into the herd, you don't just introduce them to the the cattle on the property. You need to isolate them. But the way we've, we haven't really thought about it as we built these facilities um, and there's no room and, and they don't see the payback potentially or the 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 avoidance of issues by spending money in, on these uh pens potentially to isolate these cattle that are coming in point and, and it, it's one i hear a lot when when chatting with producers and vets for that matter about um some of the the minimum required elements in the in the proaction sops talking about um you know well using the words quarantine and isolate and and trying to make sure i mean there's good good rationale and good science to suggest that you know whatever we might be buying in and and you said yourself there's a higher risk of buying something in uh and and introducing something new to your herd there's good science to suggest that that we want to keep those animals um you know separated and make sure that they they're at a lower risk in the absence of that, recognizing that's that's challenging, are there other strategies or other things that producers can think about when sourcing those animals that may at least contribute to them being lower risk when coming into the herd? It's, it's about asking questions and communication, I guess. But um, you know, finding out where they're coming if they you know buying from a trusted source or asking if if they're doing disease preventions against yonis, leucosis, etc. What what strategies are the farm that you're buying from taking? Um, are are you are is that farm a closed herd? Uh, is there a lot of mixing of animals, et cetera? Like asking these questions, and I, 
I maybe a lot of farmers maybe will find like think that it might be rude or something like that, but you have to take you know effect that you know you're you're protecting your business and your and your farm and your cattle and uh, I don't think it's rude at all. Um, and then also vaccination status as well. I think that communication happens that often. It's kind of like a rush. Like I, I have a producer right now that, you know, there's an influx of uh, or incentive days uh, come August, September. They The heat stress has been affecting, so they haven't been filling quota and they need a couple cows now. But, and so they're, they're not thinking disease or biosecurity. They need, they need, uh, cattle to fill, help fill the, their quota and produce milk, you know? So I think a lot of our times when our farmers do buy cattle, it's often not just, it's a necessity. So it's rushed. Good point. And, and trying to factor some of these things into, to just some of the, I guess it's, well, it's your SOP. It's your protocol for bringing new animals in. And in this case, right. Is, is thinking through and trying to make these a habit, um, you may still have a, a need and it may be urgent, but but you could still save yourself a lot of grief in the end, even if it is just a couple animals, by maybe asking some of those questions. Um, it sounds like that might be a, a fair compromise to just at least try and know what you're getting into in some cases. One of the things you've talked about a couple of times is is the value of having SLPs and in, in working with producers. Um, how d- have you found um, sort of your role evolve? I guess Christian as as ProAction has I guess really come into an existence and in, t- in Ontario place a larger emphasis on uh, having these discussions with with between producer and veterinarian. How are, are you having a lot of discussions with producers specifically about their SOPs? You know what what they need to be doing in order order to check the proaction boxes, but also to make sure that these are going to be effective documents and useful resources uh, longer term? Absolutely. Like uh, that, those are the things I love is the discussion on farm. Um, and the SOPs uh, and the proaction in general has a lot of discussion, a meaningful discussion. Um, and the veterinarian is, I think, the right person to be in the middle of it, basically, because we have an understanding of uh, disease and uh, also understanding of the farm and and uh, the industry as well. Uh, so it, it has stimulated a lot of conversation. Uh, I think for SOPs to be successful, there needs to be some thought put into it, and there it needs to be written in a way that um, you know maybe not a Joe Smo, but uh, you know another farmer could come in and and do that. Uh, SOP, follow the instructions and, and get the job done, whatever the SOP is saying. And it's there to protect you, as protect the farmers uh, as well, so that, um, you know, there is there is something that you can go back to and say, this is, the, this is the protocol I follow and that we have these protocols in place so that things don't get missed and it's uh, in an emergency, you have a logical plan how to deal with procedures on your farm. An example, like, I mean, we get a lot at the same time, veterinarians get to learn a lot uh, at the same time because we don't necessarily ask these questions all the time. And it gives us a way to ask these questions and say, oh, you, you're actually doing it this way or you're not doing it this way, et cetera. You know, uh, oh, you are feeding waste milk. OK, that there's some concerns there, you know. Um, so it's it's been enlightening sometimes on farm when we get um you know, we find something new about the farm that maybe is a concern to us. Um, and I, you know, this is not, not biosecurity, but 
uh, you know, big topic of discussion and one I helped with a lot is the disbudding, dehorning aspect of the SOP and the animal welfare. Um, and, you know, just educating um, farmers on the benefits. And it's there's a lot of new research out on that topic currently. So it's always, there's nothing better than well-timed research and on-farm discussion um, where you can show them uh, that there's this research that su supports it. And at the same time, um, you know, it's beneficial to the calf to, to not feel pain, to, you know, they'll be the better off for it. And it's just like, I, I like to say, like, just when you go to the dentist, you don't want to be feeling pain when you're, when you're getting uh, your uh, teeth done. So uh, they, they, they wouldn't want to feel pain at the same time. Because hardest part of, or the, the least thought of part of veterinary medicine too. And we have to do a lot of paperwork as well, like uh, notes and uh, examinations and, insurance claims etc and it's not fun either and um but it's important uh to have those records there and to have those protocols in place just in case something does go wrong or just so that everyone's on the same page it's a good point it's it's something that i mean all of us in in whatever form of business we're in um it, it tends to become a cost of doing business doesn't it it's it's changed over time um we're getting more paperwork expectations but but like you say it's it's part and parcel of of doing the job nowadays and um and there are good reasons for that i mean i've seen examples where where producers have had to take time off for one reason or another and and so they've got to hire even if they're a family farm they've got to bring someone else in and those resources have been there to at least establish a bit of a of a background for training and expectations. I've seen other cases where they are a much larger farm and bringing people in and and quite proactive about training. Again, those those offer clear uh, clear cut guidelines on how to do some of these things for for staff, all staff on the farm. And and you see other examples where where just generally, you know, our industry are being asked more and more by consumers, by processors and the supply chain as a whole to demonstrate in, 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 in clear terms what we're doing and how we're doing it. And it's so difficult, especially when we talk about in particular, animal care and biosecurity for any of us, be you a veterinarian or anyone, to come on farm and see every single practice that's that takes place on a farm over a longer period of time. We don't see people, um, you know, sourcing their cows and having these conversations. We don't get to see down cows being moved or or pain control being administered. And so, one of the things I like to say is that that protocols or SOPs are a way to demonstrate the care that we're taking. It's a way to clearly show here are the steps that I take when and if this occurs on farm. And so it is about quality assurance and in, in, in making sure that everyone understands when and if these things happen, we've got a plan in place and people know what that is. And so um, it, it's, it's not immediately obvious when we're asked to do all of these uh, aspects of paperwork, but more and more I'm seeing the value of those uh, working with individual producers as well as just taking a, a step back and thinking about how these, you know, help to build trust with our consumers at the end of the day. And like we've seen multiple brands of any I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but brands being completely uh, demolished by the public uh, for not uh, being thorough and doing protocols or, or things go wrong. And just one video or one uh, incident uh, can 
completely uh, topple this uh, a large brand, right? And um, it's, it, it all comes down to milk quality and trust of the consumer, right? And that's what we're selling. Absolutely. So if we think sort of big picture and, and sort of round out the conversation, Christian, what uh, what piece of advice or or some of the key messages anyway that, that you would like to impart on, on producers or other advisors that are listening? What are some of the things that you think they need to think about? I mean, in terms of advisors or veterinarians, I just, uh, you got to go in with an open mind, positive, positive, uh, mind and, uh, listen, uh, their farmers are, um, I, I'm very, very proud to be part of the Canadian dairy industry and thankful that I get to do my job every day and work with uh, great farmers of Canada. And I think as advisors and stuff, it's very easy to, uh, go on farm and find all the negatives and, at the same time, they're doing a lot of, like, majority of things absolutely right. And they're concerned about the cow health and and uh, their productivity just as much as you are or even more. And um, we have to, as advisors and veterinarians, have to be positive and, and, and show them the some of the benefits of uh, doing these uh, biosecurity risk assessments and um, preventing disease on farm um, as the best we can. Uh, for farmers, yeah, like I know it's uh, one more thing to do, another thing to do, but in the end, if we can uh, protect the industry, protect our cows from disease, uh, and I mean, maybe even the unknown disease that's in the future, that as more animals mix, as more animals can travel as our world is more open, there might be a new disease that we're, you know, hopefully we're, we're ready for and um, prepared for in the future. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat today. Uh, always refreshing to, to hear a veterinarian's perspective on, on some of these issues and uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thanks for listening.